0: You're listening to the Redemption Church podcast as we go through our Christmas Advent series. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter, tr- chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Oh. We are in a series, The Virgin Birth. It's an incredible doctrine. Um, Man, last week we had sort of the groundwork. It was a longer Bible study, but it's super important because we talked about as Christians, doctrine is this set of beliefs or truths that the church is supposed to teach. God is a God of truth, and He gives us truth to to really uh, ground us in His reality. He's full of grace and truth, the Bible says, and what you believe affects your behavior. And so there is actually false doctrine in this world. There are things that are fables, myths, and God through his word gives us these truths to equip us so we can know him, understand him, know his will. And we want to be men and women women of his word that cling to sound doctrine, solid doctrine, truth, what God has revealed. And so one of these doctrines in the Bible we talked about last week was this doctrine of the virgin birth. This is found and we talk about and sing about it but yet, it's so important. And more accurately, we call this the virginal conception. It's the doctrine that the virgin birth is of Mary, who was a virgin, conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 35, uh, we actually read this verse where this doctrine comes out, right? Because I know that I, I, and I'll give you some definitions of scholars and things, but you've got to see in the Bible what it says. Uh, Luke chapter one verse 35, it says, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, speaking to Mary, okay? And the power of the Most High will are, uh, overshadow you, Therefore the child who will be born will be called holy, special sep- separate uh, uh, set apart, the Son of God. Uh, therefore, because of this coming upon, this conception, uh, the child that will be born will be called holy. The Son of God. Uh, Let me give you a definition from a commentator. He's actually uh, wrote this great book from the Gospel Coalition, Brandon um, Crow. He's also a a Western theological seminary professor. He said this doctrine teaches that Jesus Christ was born apart from natural progress of uh, procreation, but was supernaturally conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of her without sin. So the virginal birth is this means by which the eternal Son of God became incarnate as fully human. God, Jesus is fully God, fully man. And the virgin birth tells us this and shows us this, that God displayed his power through this doctrine. It's so significant. We talked about that Pastor Robin, who teaches at Lakewood Christian School, uh, both of our daughters are in his ninth grade class of doctrine. It's a top five issue. For us as Christians. It's in the Apostles' Creed. It's super important. And yet, many people don't understand the implications of this important doctrine. So I was like, listen, over Christmas, in the Christmas story, it's all over the place. And we're going to look at another passage, Matthew chapter 1, where it talks about the virgin birth. And so what are the implications of that? Uh, Last week, we talked about it displays God's power, the power of God, this week, I want to talk to you about how it displays the plan of God. That there was purpose in the virgin birth, and it displayed his plan. It encourages us to trust how God works, and there was a point where Jesus had to be fully God and fully man to actually bring salvation to you and I. And so, what I want to do is, like we always do, read Matthew chapter uh, 1, 18 through 25, the text, and then we will get right into it studying. Uh, as we pray, so read with me in verse eighteen through twenty-five. This is another passage in another gospel. I know that the screen, the words on the screen, might be a little small, but y'all got smartphones and Bibles. You can read, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we have a free gift for you. Merry Christmas! There are Bibles in our connection table. You can feel free to grab one. We'd love to give you one. It says this: Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. There it is again. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quickly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And he gives this definition, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray and let's ask the Spirit to speak to us again. Father, we thank you so much that we can be a house of prayer. We ask once again for a need that we need. Uh, We need, Lord, for you to minister to us and lift up Jesus in this place, Spirit. We need for you, Spirit, to teach and to impart revelation and give empowering and help us to, uh, Lord, walk from faith to faith and um, grow in our walk with you, Jesus. So I just pray, God, that, that the seed of your word would land in good soil, that, that it would multiply, that you would do something special in our minds and our hearts. We know spiritual warfare is one of the mind where we are to take every thought captive, to the obedience of Christ. Help us not to just to be listeners, but doers of your word. And as we learn these implications of who you are, God, through the scriptures and through your truth, that we would apply it into our lives, that our belief would affect our behavior, that our faith would have works, and that you be glorified through our bodies as we practice these things out. So may this be equipping time. May we understand this doctrine once again, and may we trust in your plan that you have a good plan and that you're moving within our family, uh, within our family. Uh, body lord here and even tonight i just thank you god for your grace we ask this in your name jesus and everyone said amen Amen. well verse 18 says now the birth of jesus christ took place in this way Uh, the first thing i want to establish through this doctrine and what we did last week a lot is just acknowledge the fact we came to the conclusion that the virgin birth is real it's real It's something you can't skirt around. This is now the second passage of a different gospel talking about this specific doctrine. Not only the Apostle Luke, as we looked at last week, taught this, but now Matthew is giving us this truth as well. In verse 18, it says, Before they came together, came together intimately, sexually, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Mary was a virgin. And just in case you think, well, maybe it didn't say that, actually Matthew gives a slant now of Joseph's take on the story because his implications of what he's going to do now suggest he even thought this. If you notice the text and you read the version of the story, Joseph now is actually going to resolve to divorce her quickly because they were uh, to be engaged, throw. It was like they were married, but they didn't consecrate consummate their marriage. And now Mary is pregnant and he literally goes to the thought, Mary cheated on me. Because this is how you have babies, people. Right? So he goes to that thought and in the text it says, but he's a just man. He doesn't want to punish her. He's disappointed. He wants to resolve this quietly. But then the angel, an angel of the Lord, appears. We know angel the Gabriel came to Mary, spoke to her about this. He, now an angel is going to Joseph in a dream and says in the text, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Why would he fear? Because of the disgrace, because of the shame, because of what people would think, because of this baby. But he says, for that which is conceived in her, this baby is from... The Holy Spirit, verse 20, again, reiterates this is real. So Joseph, he wakes up from this dream. He takes Mary to be his wife, verse 25. It says, but knew her not, knew her not, meaning they didn't have sexual relations until she had given birth to a son and he called him Jesus, Again, it's reiterating that he didn't have sexual relations with Mary until after she conceived, which again debunks this doctrine or teaching that Mary was a perpetual virgin. We know that Jesus actually had siblings in the Gospels. They came to him. One of them would even be converted, write a book of the Bible. So we know this doctrine of the virgin birth is real. It's clearly taught. And last week when we talked about this Doctrine, this is something either you believe and accept or you reject. And if you believe in this miracle, then you have to believe in the God of miracles. The God that displays power, that is powerful and works in this way. And this is why it leads to a top five list. This is why it's so important to understand doctrine and these key things in Orthodox Christianity that are so important that you would say a heel you would die on. And tonight we're going to see how it displays the plan of God. Now, I have another top five list for you. See if you can catch this list Miracle on 34th Street, Home Alone, Mm -hmm. The Santa Claus, Muffet's Christmas Carol, and Elf. Top five. Let me say them again Miracle on 34th Street, Home Alone, The Santa Claus. Muffet's Christmas Carol, and Elf. Now, clearly, this is not a list of doctrine. Just saying. But it is the top five list of my wife, Laura, favorite top five Christmas movies. You guys have those lists about Christmas, things you love about, right? Listen, this list may be debatable. It may be debatable, uh, they were watching the Santa Claus this week, and I was like, oh, you guys are watching. Okay, I'm out. I'm not going to watch that. I'm just going to go do some, go read a book or something like that. So it's not my top five. I'm just saying it's her top five. You may have a different, but you may agree or disagree. And, and maybe, maybe for you, m- movies aren't really that important for you for Christmas. Maybe instead of movies, it's a top five list of music, right? Don't you love the holidays and how, how Christmas brings all this, this? Certain radio stations go crazy. They just, oh, we're pop and do that. Nope, Christmas all the way through. It's all about music. Or maybe you don't even like music or or movies about about the holidays. Maybe you just like the traditions or the treats. Oh, thank God that we don't have to be on a diet during the month of December. (laughs) The treats, the pies, or maybe it's none of that. Maybe for you, Christmas is about the family time. The, the lack of work and you get a... Spe- it's just a special time of the year. But I want us to understand culturally why this is so important because all of this picking and choosing and this holiday, we've, we've had a smorgasbord of what makes Christmas Christmas to us. So we put together stuff and then it's in our own family tradition. It's what our joy, it's being around people or treats or top five movies or music And this text and this doctrine is saying, you can't do that with Scripture. It took place this way. This is the story. Not your tradition and what you pick and choose. The virgin birth clearly is taught. But in our culture, we don't do that. In fact, Laura and I were just recently on a date last week. We went to the new Barnes & Noble in Delray, off Linton there, and Laura saw the Jesus story, And this Jesus story was in the section called The Myths of Christmas. Totally our culture. It's a story, but it's not the story. What ends up happening when you go to Scripture and you pick and you choose is you start picking and choosing, but then you get your own God. Well, then He doesn't work this way. He can't do this or do that. And we forget how crazy doctrine is to our actual culture, our worldview, and what it affects in our lives. So you can have a different top five. That's cool. That's debatable. Matthew says in verse 18, it took place this way. Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, says this, literally, to make sure we don't go down this route, for we did not follow clever, devised myths. Some translations say stories are fables. This is why when I go to the Christmas story, or in the text, or the Gospels, I actually call them events because it's historical. It happened. This is not just another Santa Claus thing, or, or this little story, or that wasn't oh, that cute. Okay, no, look at this shiny and the, and the elves and the nativity. No, this is an event that took place. And he says, we did not follow clever devised myths when we made known to you the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were eye. This is not a myth. This is, something, this is something that is true and reality, and what we read in Scripture needs to be embraced as truth, not made up or not something we can pick and choose. The greatest tris- Christmas story ever in history is actual event. Because Jesus came in such a supernatural way so we would know that God sent him through the virgin birth, that we would know that he is Christ, Messiah, and that he would save. So in verse 21, if you notice, the angel tells Joseph, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus means God is salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. The virgin birth teaches us there is a clear purpose in Jesus coming through the virgin birth, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who saves us from our sins. See, oftentimes when we think about the virgin birth, we think about just the baby and the miracle and not the man and the purpose. There was a baby that grew up and he had a purpose. He didn't just stay there. He became a man A godly man, a rabbi, a prophet, a teacher, a healer. And he declared his purpose through the word over and over again. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. I came to seek and save the lost. I'm only going to do what my father tells me, the purpose. I'm on mission. This is why the angel says, name that baby Jesus. Name him God saves. God sent Jesus into the world to save us from our sin, to live a perfect life that we couldn't live, to die in our behalf for the price of our sin. Peter says it again, 1 Peter 2, 24. He, speaking of Jesus himself, didn't need your perfection or your efforts, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds, you have been healed, Ephesians one seven. In Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, His sacrifice, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to whose grace, whose is according to God's riches, the riches of His grace. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin the rebellion, the trespass, the the, the revolt against God, the shortcoming, man, it is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The virgin birth makes it very clear that Jesus was sent in the supernatural way to be our Savior and to save us from sin. And this is why in verse 22 through 23, it says, Again, it makes it clear this is the sign. This is important. You need to understand this. This is what the prophet said. Remember when Paul's like, the first part is the gospel? Jesus came according to Scripture, died according to Scripture, rose according to Scripture. Well, Matthew's like, okay, I'm going to show you Scripture. All this took place, again, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall, name, uh, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Isaiah 7.14 we looked at last week. God not only initiated salvation by sending Jesus to die for our sins, but he wanted us to know Jesus was the way of salvation by the sign as well. So the virgin birth reminds us that God fulfills his word. This is important because Jesus is the living word. And we need to trust what Jesus says and what God has said through the written scripture. We can trust the plans of God as we look at this doctrine of the virgin birth because it was foretold. Isaiah 46, 10. Like, you're going to look at idols and all these different... No, I'm going to show you. I'm going to say something before it even happens and implement it so you know that I am God and you can trust me. There is a plan in place. Sin has thwarted everything and I will come and I will save. And I want you to know this truth. He told us that he would come in such a way, a, such a special, radical, weird way that a virgin shall be conceived and have a child. And Jesus would come... From the seed of woman is prophesied in Genesis chapter three fifteen, that would crush the head of Satan on the cross, and defeat sin and death. Jesus was the fulfilled Messiah that was promised from Abraham in Genesis chapter twelve <coughs> verse three, promised again in Genesis chapter twenty six to Abraham, and blessed the nations. Or as Galatians three sixteen says now. The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to the offsprings, referring to one. Paul literally says, it says to your offspring, who is the Christ. He is the promised one through this special act. I want you to see the Father's heart in the virgin birth wanting to specifically show us that He cares for us in such a way that He's giving us ample amount of signs so we can trust Him, so we can know Him, and He's using His power to listen to this, display to us His love. He's about to do something impossible. In Luke, he says, well, nothing's impossible with me. And He's using His authority and power so that we would actually know Him because He loves us that much. He wants us to know Jesus, to be saved through him and his work on the cross, not in our own efforts. God was fulfilling his word. We could trust his word through the virgin birth. And Matthew is highlighting this. And he says, it took place this way, guys. In fact, Matthew, if you read the gospel of Matthew, every gospel has a certain bent. Matthew is one of the favorite. Uh, he has a sort of the Jewish audience in mind who knows scripture. And he has a favorite line in Matthew, as is it is written. He'll go back over throughout the gospel of Matthew. As it is written, God said this, and look at this Jesus is doing this. God said this, and look at that. That's why Jesus is doing this. And he'll link those two together because he wants you, and he starts immediately with the virgin birth. He starts, as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter one, if you just look in your Bible before that, he starts with this boring book of genealogy. It's the book of genealogy. Oh man, it's, the chapter one is the best part because you can get by genealogy real quick. Look, I just read a whole chapter of the Bible. Oh, that's amazing. I don't know anything about it. But genealogy, if you notice, Matthew 1.1 starts with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, that he gives us the lineage of King David. He gives us the lineage of Abraham. Why? Because we know prophecy, how the Messiah would come through Abraham, how the Messiah would come through David. Matthew is proving to us that we can trust God, we can trust Jesus, and the one that God sent to fulfill his plan of salvation because Jesus wasn't just a good person. He just wasn't a teacher, a prophet, or a healer. He was God with us. Emmanuel. That's what the virgin birth tells. God in flesh. The text says, God with us. Therefore, because of this, Luke said, Because of the virgin birth, because the Holy Spirit will come upon her and he will be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit, the child will be born, will be called holy, separate, special. He'll be called the Son of God. The Son of God. This term, the Son of God, is in the nature of God. You see, when we think of Son of God, if we thought Son of Daniel, you think Jeremiah. If you think Son of Robin, you think Liam. Okay. This is not how this term is phrased. It's in the state of inequality or the same nature of God. Another way of saying it is He will be God. He will be the essence of God. I have this slide up here, God in flesh. I want to read you these verses because this is something, another doctrine that it gets attacked over and over again about the deity of Jesus. This is very clear and very taught it's the significance of of Jesus having a virgin birth is he has the nature of God and the nature of man in one, God with us. John 10.33 says that Jesus answered him, it is not for a great work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, claiming to be God, because you being a man, the text says, make yourself God. Jesus claimed to be God. It was recognized by the leaders. In fact, when he was on trial, Matthew chapter 26, there's a whole conversation. It says this text in Matthew 26, 63 through 65, the high priest said to him, speaking of Jesus, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. This is the high priest speaking to Jesus. Jesus said to him, well, you have said so. But I tell you, you will see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of Power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, "He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have no, uh, you have no. Now heard blasphemy. They claim that Jesus to be God. He he's recognized. He's saying it. If you say that Jesus never claimed to be God, you've never read the Bible." Jesus taught that he was God. Other examples, John 8, 58. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Yahweh. We just studied Exodus. I am that I am. He said, I, I am. I'm Yahweh. I'm God. John ten thirty. I and the Father are one. In both instances, if you look at chapter 8, chapter 10 of John, all the leaders, after he claims these cases, Wanted to stone him, the text says, for claiming to be God. Let's talk about some more stuff because Jesus not only taught it, he affirmed it. He acknowledged it. He wanted people to acknowledge it. His own disciples, when he asked, who who do you think the Son of God is? Who do you think Christ is? He's asking, well, some people say Jeremiah, some people say this, but his disciples, Peter goes, you're, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. Jesus didn't deny this, but rather affirms it praises God and says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What about after the resurrection? Thomas, doubting Thomas. John chapter 20, verse 28. He comes back, sees Jesus raised from the dead, and he says, My Lord and my God. Blessed are you, Thomas. But you know, blessed are those who don't even think Fill my wounds in my flesh. that they see in faith and believe this. The Bible is clear about the divinity and divine nature of Jesus Christ. It is very clear. And also the apostles and doctrine would be coming through this. Colossians 2.9. I have this on the screen. For in him, speaking of Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Hebrews 1.3 says he, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Luke chapter 1, therefore, because of the virgin birth, this child will be called holy, the son of God. You see, the virgin birth shows us that Jesus is fully man and fully God. This was a part of God's plan. Being a part of the Trinity, another doctrine that God is one God in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son, Jesus, took on human flesh at a particular point in time, and this is known as the incarnation of Christ. Incarnation of God, God with us. Let me give you some commentary on this. One commentary said, Our Savior is not only a man, but He is the divine Son of God. He is equally the God-man. The only one who can accomplish salvation, for He is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew one twenty three. Uh-huh. Another commentator said the virgin birth is important in that it preserves the truth that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. His physical body had uh, his physical body he received from Mary, but his eternal holy nature was his from all eternity past. John six sixty nine. Joseph the carpenter did not pass on his sinful nature to Jesus for the simple reason that Joseph was not the father. Jesus had no sin nature. Hebrews 7.26. Now, this is important to understand. Let's dive a little deeper into it. Jesus, the virgin birth shows that Jesus did not have a sin nature or sin. He did not have a sin nature or sin. You see, Jesus lived a human life, but did not possess a sin nature as all humanity does, as you and I do. Now, why is this? Well, sin entered the world through Adam, and Adam's sin nature has been transferred to every baby in this world except Jesus. And it sort of seems like, wait, what are you talking about? That's right, my friends. Romans chapter 5 is a significant chapter on this. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, because of this, just as sin came into the world through one man, our first father, Adam, right? He had the choice. He failed. He fell short. That's what sin is. You're falling short. Uh, That death came through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. Do you ever wonder why the world is so broken? Why it's so jacked up? It's because of sin and sin nature. This is not God's first plan. This is not the plan of God. This is the plan of brokenness of sin, of Adam falling and sin causing death in our world. And that sin has been transferred from one generation to another generation. Our first father, Adam, sinned, and now we are in this world. But because Jesus did not have a human father, he did not inherit a sin nature. He possessed a divine nature from his heavenly Father. And although he was tempted, he was without sin, the Bible says. He didn't sin, Hebrews 2, 14 through through 18, or Hebrews 4 through 15. This is significant because Jesus met all the requirements of a holy God as a holy sacrifice and the work that he would do on the cross. And so on the cross of Christ, there was a great exchange as Christ shed his blood for our sin, and this was a part of God's plan. Now, you may know these verses, but in context of the virgin birth, in context of what Jesus did on the cross, listen to and think about Adam and how we inherit something from Adam, but how we inherit something from Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, he, speaking of God the Father, made him, speaking of Jesus, the Son of God, who knew no sin. He was sinless. So that uh, in Him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Or listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says it this way, For by a single offering, He, speaking of Jesus, has perfected all time those who are being sanctified. You see, through the miracle of the virginal conception, Jesus remained qualified to be our Savior, to be perfect, to be a sacrifice for our sins. And Paul calls Jesus the second Adam. Jesus creates a new humanity. He makes people spiritually alive. He's going to come and rule and reign. There's going to be a different garden, a different trajectory of history. Because in him... Just as we were imputed sin through Adam, we can be imputed righteousness through the second Adam. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, speaking of Adam, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in the life through one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation, speaking of Adam, for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification, declared righteous, and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were sinners, Adam, so by one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous." You have to believe in the depravity of man and the sin nature and how that's imputed through Adam because that's exactly the plan that God said, Satan, you're going to do that? All right, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to bring a second Adam. You're going to see that, that the seed of the woman, I'm going to come under the law and actually despise and just trick you and, and, and despise you, Satan, and defeat you to your own game. I'm going to live a perfect life. They couldn't live because I am a greater Adam. Jesus is declared the greater Adam. He requires, God required a perfect sacrifice and he obeyed that perfectly. He was sinless. So just as we are imputed sin through Adam and his disobedience, we can now be imputed righteousness through Jesus and his obedience. You may say, well, that's not fair. I'm just born a sinner. Yes, you are. You're not only born a sinner, but then you actually sin. You see that? You're not only born, but then you actually sin. You're doomed. You need the mercy of God because the wage of sin is death. You are spiritually dead and it has nothing to do with you. You may say that's not, a, that's, not, that's not fair. It's not, but grace is greater than our sin and the reason why you're saved is has nothing to do with you either because you are saved not by your obedience and your behavior because Jesus didn't have a sin nature and he didn't sin. So he can impute his righteousness to you. He could bear that weight for you And so it's not based off of you, because it's not about you. It's God's plan, and he's saying, I'm going to do something greater than you because you can't save yourself. So I'm going to send one so you know exactly my plan. It is not based off of your behavior. It's based off of grace. And through the virgin birth, we see the second Adam. Why did Jesus do this. Why did why was this this unusual virgin birth happening to display the power of God, but also to display the wisdom and the plan of God? Because in God's wisdom, he knew that we would fall short every time, even in our own best efforts. But God is with us. He didn't abandon us. He used his power and he gave salvation to mankind. You see, just like he had prophecy Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, this is another familiar Christmas verse. For unto us a child is born, for to us a son is given. This is something that's born and given to us, not something we earn or deserve. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The virgin birth shows us that the child was born and the son was given and was a part of God's perfect plan that Jesus is God's plan for salvation, not our own efforts. What do you do with gift and grace? You receive, you don't earn. The virgin will conceive, Matthew says, verse 23, and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God's word helped Joseph understand God's plan in this moment. The plan to save. And the same is true with us. The same is true with us. Although this was hard to accept and to understand, God spoke to the issue, and Joseph had to trust God for his crazy plan. Verse 24 and 25, read it again. You heard all this stuff. It tells us that he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And what did he do? He called that baby Jesus. He obeyed. Listen, the Bible teaches that we are blessed when we embrace God's plan in our life. We are blessed when we obey the word of God even when we don't understand it, even when it's at the realm realm of impossibility and doesn't make sense to us in our finite minds. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but it comes down and it bears good soil. And both Joseph and Mary, they obeyed and followed the Lord's plan and they were blessed to be able to raise this son and have Jesus close intimately with them in their lives. When you obey God and His Word, you are blessed to actually have Jesus close, intimately with you, and He walks with you. It's an incredible blessing. I don't know about you, but Robin talked John 10:10, that abundant life. My life has been so blessed as I've received the word of God and his plan for my life and his calling. We prayed for John and Laura about just they're just going out and just trying to follow God's will. You'll be so blessed. Guys, we're blessed when we obey the word of God and embrace the word of God. We don't always have to understand. We have to obey. This is what the virgin birth tells us. There will be blessings for us as well when we obey his plan and his word. And there are so many blessings when we embrace his plan. The virgin birth reminds us of that, that the plan of God is good. And Jesus, the second Adam, is enough. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this doctrine. Again, we praise you. We bless you. Lord, it's right there in the text, but yet sometimes it just (laughs) blows our mind from your wisdom. So we want to celebrate, Lord, in this Christmas season, this Advent season, that now you not only came, but you're coming again. Lord, you died, but then you rose again, proving, giving us another sign that you are true to your word, that you are King of kings, Lord of lords. And we want to surrender to you. We want to acknowledge that. We want to acknowledge your grace. That's why you implemented communion, God. Say, when we gather together, remember it's about your grace, not our own efforts. And so, Lord, would you just do something in our hearts to know that you are with us? You didn't abandon us or leave us as orphans. You gave us the Spirit. Lord, in the, in the depravity of man, in, the, in the, the world that we live in, Lord, you are here, you are now. You care about the brokenhearted. You comfort us. And so we just need you, Lord. We thank you, God, for this truth. We pray that we would respond. We pray it would go deep into our souls this doctrine, this grace, this truth, that you be glorified as we embrace your plan for our lives. Continue to speak to us as we continue to go to your word. Continue to look at this story. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. This event happened. And Lord, you will return one day. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. You're going to give us resurrected bodies just as Jesus had a resurrected body. We thank you, God, that you even would give us a sign because you love us. May we embrace that love today. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.